story of the Bible, how the Lord takes a little bit and he makes a whole lot out of it. Our God specializes in that. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain. There he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he knew himself what he would do. And Philip answered and said, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them might take a little bite. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to his disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled... He said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered themselves together, filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you. We're looking forward to that day, on that day. Mm. Mm -mm. Lord, I pray there's not a soul that would leave this place today that's not ready to meet you on that day. Lord, don't let, don't let anybody slip out of here still under the rain and the chains of sin and Satan. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Let your spirit have control. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You do as you please. And Lord, we're going to praise you and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Jesus never had a problem attracting a crowd. A good fish fry and hush puppies always attract a crowd. He never had any problem attracting a crowd, but he also never had any problem thinning out a crowd. And what Jesus is saying here is you've got the fish and you've got the cornbread and you've got all that. Now let me tell you about the real bread of life. And uh, usually people want to follow the Lord for the miracles and the signs because that means he can do something for me. But I want to tell you this morning, following for the signs and the miracles is not enough. The message is what's going to change your life. It's not going to be the miracles and the signs. 5,000 men here plus women and children we're not sure how many totally, probably 15,000 to 20,000 people here. And there's a little lad. We don't have his name. We don't know if he's from a wealthy family or if he's from the poorest family in town. We have no idea. We don't have a pedigree on the boy. What we got is a lad with a lunch. But when you put the lad with the lunch that gets hooked up with the Lord, 
you can see great things begin to happen. You see, the Lord can do anything. Nothing too hard for him. That ought, to, that ought to be the first thing on our mind this morning. There's nothing too hard for God. People are hungry in, in John 6. They're needy. They're desperate. And Jesus meets those needs. And the scene that we see in John 6 is almost the same scene we see today. People today, we're dealing with people who are hungry. They're desperate. They're lost. They're confused. It don't take a rocket scientist two minutes to be in this world to know that people are confused. They're confused about marriage. They don't know if they're supposed to live together first or not. That's confusing. The Bible is not confusing to the Bible. They're, they're confused. They're, we got people who think a man can marry a man. You ever heard such like that? We got people who think a woman can marry a woman. I'm just telling you, they're like a termite in a yo-yo. They're confused. It shouldn't be no confusing matter. They're confused about marriage. They're confused about morals. Hmm. People trying to figure out if they're male or female. They're confused. Hmm. One and a half million babies a year killed. Folk are confused. We're dealing with those people today. They're confused about the Bible. We've got Baptists who claim the name of Baptist that don't believe this book is the inerrant word of God. You can say inerrant and they start breaking out in the hives because they're, they, they think it's got a mixture of error in it. People are today are confused about politics. They think a Republican's going to help them. They think a Democrat's going to help them. Let me tell you, our battle is against Satan, evil versus good. Those things not going to help us. People are confused about, today about the purpose of man, about creation and evolution. In our Christian colleges, we have a majority of professors. I'm not talking about A&M or University of Texas or University of California. I'm talking about Christian colleges that professors are teaching evolution. They're confused. They've been educated beyond their minds. Have sense to get in out of the rain. We got people who are confused between Buddha and Jesus and Islam and Jesus. And then one of our presidential candidates said this last week, he wished we'd have taught more about Muslims in the school system. Well, bless God, I wish we'd have taught more about Jesus in the school system. I wish we'd have taught more about the Ten Commandments in the school system. You see, the Bible says God's not the author of confusion. All this confusion, that's not from God. God's not the author of confusion. Our God is alive. He's faithful. He holds a power in his hand. <coughs> Brother Aaron sang them good songs. He knows good and well. I'm going to ruin my voice trying to sing at the top of my lungs. Whew. You know what the Lord's looking for today? He's looking for a little nameless boy or a little nameless girl or a teenager. It doesn't matter who your mom and daddy is. It doesn't matter where you went to school. It don't even matter where you came from. He's looking for somebody who's saying, I want to tell you a lot, it's not cool that three out of four teenagers by the time they're 15 years old are involved in sex. That ain't cool. 
It's not cool to disrespect authority. That ain't cool. He's looking for somebody to come forward and say, look, I may not have much, but everything I got, I know it came from the grace of God. And so everything I've got, I give it to God. He's looking for people today who will say, I'll give it all to Jesus. One of the highlights that I see here is I look at this. <clears throat> this little boy didn't say, well, look, uh, look, Andrew, uh, sir, I, I, I appreciate you know, being able to help, and I want to be a help. Oh, my goodness, does anybody here don't want to be a help? Everybody wants to be a help. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you one fish. I'm going to keep one for myself. And I'm going to take a, a, a loaf of bread for myself, and I'm going to give you four. And, and will that work? Now, every preacher would say, whatever you feel led to do. <laughs> but I want to tell you, that little boy said, everything I got, you can have. Everything I got, you can have. Listen to me this morning. If you gave everything you got right now away, do you think God's big enough to restore it? <laughs> he says he will. <laughs> Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They'll be satisfied. Psalm 107, he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. You hunger and thirst, and he'll fill it. I don't know how full you are this morning of Jesus, but I want to tell you how full you are. You're as full as you want to be because God desires to pour out his blessings on you and fill you to the brim with the Holy Ghost of God. And if you want it, he'll give it to you. You're as full as you want to be. Seems like life is a series of highs and lows and mountains and valleys. Job said it like this in Job 3.25, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, for that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Boy, we look at our obstacles. Man, mm. whatever name we give to it there, when that gets so big, the tendency for us is just to quit. Just to say, I can't go no more. I fought a good fight. I'm through. I'm out. Could I remind you this morning that the one who saved us is the great creator? He created the heavens and the earth. He slung the stars into space. He's the one that's responsible for these sunsets and sunups. It's all him. He's the lily of the valley the bright and morning star. He's the master of the sea. He is the one who was and who is and is to come. And he's still God and we ought to remember that this morning. The Bible says the attitude toward the multitude was he had principles of compassion. Thousands had followed him to the other side of the lake because they saw the miracles he did. But Christ's anxiety was to satisfy their need not to entertain them with his wonder working. Now, I just jotted down seven things here that just stick out. You've heard a thousand messages probably on John 6. So let me just reiterate a couple of things to you here this morning, where we are. I think that when you look at this story, you have to remember that Jesus desires that we feed people. People need to be fed. I mean, they need to be fed. When shall we buy bread, he said in verse 5, that these may eat? He was asking Philip that because Philip was from that area there. And so he's saying, Philip, 
well, you know where Miss Barrett's bakery is down here. Where can we go get enough bread to feed these people? He's asking. He desires that people be fed physically, but he also desires that people be fed spiritually. The deepest yearning in the Lord's soul is that the crowd would have the bread of life offered to them. What they do with it is up to them. The bread of life is offered to you this morning. What you do with it is up to you. You can walk out of this place the same way you walked in, or you can walk out of this place a new creation. I see secondly there, though, that he knows where the supply is going to come from. He himself knew what he would do is what verse 6 says. Nobody needed to advise him about the wisdom of God. He already knew. He knew it. He knew what he would do. He, knew, he, didn't, he didn't say what I'm going to try to do. You see, he doesn't make a demand without being prepared to supply all that's needed. So he's got all the needs. He's got it all. Mm. I don't know, four or five times, uh, maybe more than that, in the last month, people have come and sat down with me, and, and I'm not being ugly. I, I know you got concerns. You know, we blame everything on COVID-19. Now, it's a serious thing, and I'm, you know, I think we need to do everything we can to fight it and battle it, but I want to tell you, the fact we ain't got no nickels and dimes ain't got nothing to do with COVID-19. I mean, we just blame everything. And preachers are the same way. We blame everything. Well, the church was doing good until COVID-19 came along. Nah. But people would sit as we were getting ready to raise money for building for eternity, and they'd say, preacher, boy, you've been kind of rough. I mean, you know, you've pushed us. You've pushed us a lot. And probably in the last two years, you've given probably $2 million to, on that children's building. And you, and I love this thought. You can't keep going to the well, preacher. If you keep going to the well, it, you're going to get dry. And I, with a smile on my face, will say it depends on whose well you're going to. If you go into the one that you've dug, it's going to dry up. But I guarantee you, I got a Lord and Master who's got a well that ain't never going to dry up. It's always there. He knows where the supply is going to come from. And then he seeks the interest of his followers. He wants to involve them. He said, where shall we buy bread from in verse 5? He knew what he'd do. It wasn't so that Philip could know what Jesus uh, uh, was going to do. It was so Philip could know what he was going to do. See, Jesus already knew all of this. In World War I, eight and a half million people died. This is a three or four year war. Eight and a half million died. The day that they signed the armistice and there was peace, the next year a flu broke out and 25 million people died in one year. You say, wow, what'd they do? They continued to walk by faith and serve God. Hmm? I mean, come on, guys. We're, we're, this is the we're following the King of kings and Lord of lords. Don't, don't try to shut down God. God's bigger than all of this. Corey Ten Boone said, there's no panic in heaven, only plans. God knows what he's going to do. This world's not out of control. God, it's not taking God by surprise. He's never said, oops. 
God's never said, well, I didn't see that coming. He's got it under control. And I believe Christ is saying to his church today, where are we going to find the money? Where are we going to find the people? Where are we going to find the resources to help those who are lost without Christ? What is the answer? I want to tell you, God already knows the answer. He's already given us the answer. He said the fields are wide unto harvest. Quit worrying about the harvest and praying for the harvest. He said pray to the God of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. What we need in this church is laborers in every church. Hmm. The harvest has always been there. And then I wrote down this. I hasten to say this. I love it. God makes use of little gifts. You don't have to give a tremendous gift. Jesus, the Bible said, uh, uh, Andrew said, there's a lad here, got five barley loaves, two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus took the loaves in verse 11. You see, they weren't too small for Jesus. Jesus didn't say, well, that won't go anywhere. Good grief, give the kid back his lunch. I mean, what, how are you going to feed 15,000 people with two fish and five barley loaves? Good grief. Well, I remind you, in the Word of God, there's a lot of times when small things became big things. Moses had a little old rod in his hand, and yet it became a serpent. That little old rod also turned rivers into blood. That little old rod also opened the Red Sea up for them to dry, uh, walk through on dry ground. That rod opened the rock at Horeb when water came out of it. David comes up and he's just a little old shepherd boy and there's a giant out there making fun of God and blaspheming and he said, is there not a cause? Maybe we ought to be asking that question today. Is there not a cause? I mean, is there a re listen, if we're not going to do anything that nobody else is not doing, there's no need to have church. But I'm telling you there's a cause. Jesus is still alive there's coming a day when he's coming back and those who are without him are going to be left behind. And so there's a cause that we've got to do everything we can with every ounce of strength we have, with every dime we've got to reach lost people for Jesus. David said, isn't there a cause? And he took some little old small stones. The giant laughed at him. And yet that little small stone killed that giant. I think about that little widow in 1 Kings 17. Elijah comes to her and says, Ma'am, would you make me a cake? <laughs> she said, Let me tell you what, what's happening in our house. I got a little bit of meal left, and I got a little bit of oil left, and I'm fixing to make me and my boy a cake, and then we're going to sit out here in the house and die. That's all there is. There ain't no meal nowhere else. And he said, well, ma'am, make me a cake first. She made him that cake. She made him cakes the next day. She made him cakes the next day. She made him cakes the next day. Just a little old thing of meal and a little old oil. But God takes the little and makes it big. I think about old Naaman, <laughs> the captain. He's broke out in leprosy. And the little old maiden comes and says, if you'll go down and see this prophet, he'll heal you. You remember? Prophet didn't even come out of his house. Told him, go down there and dunk seven times in the Jordan River. And he gets down there and he says, 
my goodness, we've got better rivers than this back where I come from. She said, little old maiden, she said, what do you got to lose? He dunked six times, still nothing. But on that seventh time, that skin just like a baby's skin. God takes the little things and makes them big things. The widow's might, as Jesus was sitting there, a mite was one-fourth of a penny. But she gave it. And because she gave it, Jesus said she gave more than everybody here. He takes the little things and makes them big. We've seen testimony after testimony of different people. Many of you senior adults. Man, God has blessed uh, I've seen you and heard from you and testimonies from you, how you've sacrificed to give and God blesses you. And, hey, look at Jesus himself. You say, well, he was the king of kings. Israelites didn't think so. Remember what they said? Isn't that that carpenter's boy? That's a little carpenter's boy. Why, well, he ain't nothing. He ends up dying on a cross like a criminal, made lower than the angels. But I want to tell you what God said about him. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He takes the little things and makes the big things. And he feeds 5,000 men with five loaves and two fishes. Now I want you to understand something. The miracle was performed here with what the boy had. If I hear one more Baptist, for 49 years I've heard them. If God gave me this, I would do this. It makes me want to spit. It'd kill the grass for a month, though. I'm not interested in what you'd do if God did something for you. Why don't you do what you have with what you have right now? I mean, if we were to take a poll in here, I, I guarantee you nine out of ten of us in this place believe Jesus could come back today. And yet we hoard things up. We refuse to speak for the glory of God. And there's going to come a day, I think it's going to be soon, that we'll not have another chance. You'll not have another chance to give. You'll not have another chance to witness. You'll not have another chance to show love. You'll not have another chance to deliver food. You're not going to have another chance to do anything for the glory of God. Little is much when God is in it. And then I think I jotted down here, himself is all sufficient for this emergency. The Bible says he gave thanks and distributed to them as they would. You see, here's a, here, listen. Oh, I wish you could understand. I wish somebody helped me preach. Here's the thing. It's not the gift that's important. It's placing the gift in the hands of Jesus. The sufficiency is not in the gift you give. The sufficiency is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this little boy, he gives that lunch, and Jesus takes it. The supply, he knows of his power and fullness and he's able to use the weak things to manifest his riches and glory. Commit thy way to the Lord, Psalm 37 says. Trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. Gotta hurry. He feeds the hungry through his own disciples. 
He, he lets them be a part of it. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God has let us be a part of his ministry. He didn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do that. I'm thankful this last week, I don't know how everything works and all of that, but somehow or another y'all swung votes that this was the best place to worship in East Texas. And I, I praise God for that. But to whom much is given, much is required. I'm telling you, we can't sit on our laurels. We can't be complacent. We've got to move forward. We've got to stand. I, I listened to Dr. Tony Evans yesterday. Boy, what a sermon in that Promise Keepers. You know, he's talking about justice and righteousness. And there are churches and there are people that all they talk about is justice, justice, justice. And then there are others, all they talk about is righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. But when you're talking about the Lord, he's talking about justice and righteousness. He's talking about the whole package deal. Hey, we're in this thing together. We're all in this. There is no race when it comes to Jesus. There is no nationality when it comes to Jesus. We're in this thing together, all of us. He feeds the hungry through his own disciples. Freely you've received, freely give. These disciples understood they couldn't do anything about this crowd here. They couldn't do it. But Jesus could. And I want to tell you, you can't do Some of you got children who are wayward, who are running from God. I'm just tell you right now, there ain't a thing you can do about it. They get old enough to get out on their own, there ain't a thing you can do about it except pray. But I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit of God, when he gets a hold of them, he can do something about it. And he will do something about it. Let me give you this last one. <laughs> he provides enough for everybody. Can you just see in those disciples' minds, all right, he wants to do this. Let's get it as far as we can. Peter, go get some toothpicks. And we'll slice this fish up as thin as we can and put it on a toothpick with a little piece of bread and we'll give everybody one as long as it holds out. And yet Jesus begins to break that bread. And they're saying, well, that's one, two, three, four, five. Now that's the reason why y'all ought to sit on the front row because these people on the front row got bread. Now they done, it's run out. There's only five loaves. You people back there are not going to get in. In the balcony, you're gone. You ain't going to get nothing. <laughs> and yet he reaches in and he just keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. And it wasn't enough to just have a piece of fish on a toothpick. They got full. They were like a bloated goat in a blizzard. I mean, they were full. <laughs> they were full. And then after it's all over with, he said, go gather all the fragments. We don't want to waste anything. Go gather the fragments, 12 baskets. I don't know what the 12 baskets happened. I don't know if they sent it down to Highway 80 or if maybe they said, why don't you disciples take one home to remind yourself of what Jesus can do? I don't know. He's committed unto us the furtherance of the kingdom of God. 
That's what we're to do as a church. That's what we're to do as individuals. I read a story about a violinist in New Jersey. He was going to play a concert. And people were just talking about the violin, man, and how magnificent the violinist was. And they just was on and on. And he was a concert uh, violinist, uh, magnificent. He stood up and began to play that violin. When he played that violin, I mean, you could close your eyes. It, it's kind of like I've heard people play on the piano. I'm sure Miss Paula can do it when they ring those golden bells, and you'll swear there's bells ringing in that piano. This violinist began to play. Boy, the birds were singing in the trees. You could hear them. And the, 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 the laughter of little children as he played that violin and the babbling brooks, and you could hear the wind going through the forest. He, he just played it. When he got through, man, they stood up. They applauded a round of applause. It was just overwhelming. And then he took that violin and just crushed it on his knee. People oh, just gasp. He said, that was a cheap fiddle. He said, I wanted to do that to show you that it's not so much the instrument as it is the man who holds the instrument. And I want to tell you something this morning. You may think you're the poorest vessel that there is. You may think that there's no one, nothing you could do that would further the kingdom of God or help anybody. But I want to tell you this morning, it's not the vessel you're in. It's the one who's holding your vessel. And if you'll submit yourself to God just like this little boy did to, with his lunch and you hook up with the Lord Jesus Christ and he begins to use your voice like you. Let me, let me tell you, this is a talented church, amen? I mean, they're talent on every. But you know the biggest thing? Most of the talent is still sitting out here in the pews. Hmm? I'm telling you this morning, we need to come to the place where we say, God, it's going to, I got serious now. I mean, you're coming back soon. Anything I got, it's yours. You gave it to me anyway, so it's yours. Anything. Wes sang a song last week over at uh, Mason Creek. Lanny Wolf had written. And uh, I, Becky and I were in Colorado when he sang that third verse. The song, everybody thought it just had two verses. It was a tremendous song. Whatever it takes, Lord, to draw me closer to you. And in Colorado, we were up there in the 80s. And he said, there's a third verse to that song. But he said, I can't sing it unless I can live it. And he said, uh, God has dealt with me and I'm able to live it. And he sang that third verse. Take the dearest things to me, if that's how it must be, to draw me closer to you. Let me ask you, what's it going to take for you to draw closer to Jesus? Father, in this place today, there are those who are lost without you. They don't need a, another miracle. They don't need another sign. What they need is to admit they're a sinner and they cannot save themselves but get hooked up with the Lord who died, 
was buried and rose again and is alive today. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd save souls in this place today. Lord, there are others of us in this building. We've grown cold. Our hearts have hardened. And Lord, today, I believe you're speaking to us. And said, look, in these last days, quit thinking about yourself. Quit thinking about all that you need for yourself. And would you give yourself to furthering the kingdom of God, whatever it takes, everything it takes. Lord, there are others here that may need a church home. I pray. Lord, I, I know it's an accolade among men that we were voted best place to worship. But I pray, Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that you're looking down from heaven. You may not be saying this is the best place, but you're saying, I like this place. And I like the people to lift up their hands and their voices and praise me. I inhabit the praise of my people. And Lord, we need people who will come and be laborers and say, I want to be a part of a church like that. Lord, move in our midst today. <laughs> it's all you, God. It's all you. Have your way right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you?